0: for your schedule to become completely unmanageable. What happens for most of us is we get our first few classes at any time that someone is going to offer us an opportunity. Usually we still need another job. So we might be working around a full-time job or a part-time job or several other gigs. The more classes we add, the crazier our schedule becomes. Then at the point where we finally feel ready to go full-time It's such a leap of faith that we can't afford to let any of those classes go. Instead, we just keep adding more and more and more kind of haphazardly. Pretty soon we find ourselves driving all over town, teaching at any time of the day, many times of the night, haphazard locations. If you're running your own classes, you also need to find time for invoicing, promoting website maintenance, continuing education, not to mention your own personal practice. Many full time yoga teachers are so busy, they don't even have the mental bandwidth to stop and ask themselves, is this schedule functional? Is there possibly a more sane way to organize my life? The pandemic gave a lot of yoga teachers this break of at least from the driving around piece and usually from as many classes as they were teaching. However, a lot of them were so focused on learning new technology and retaining students that this sense of stress and overwhelm and pressure stayed. Now that yoga spaces are opening back up, let's talk about how to optimize your schedule so that it supports your physical, mental, and emotional well-being. And if you graduated from yoga teacher training during the pandemic and started teaching, but are interested in teaching in person, I hope this episode helps you to create some healthy time management habits from the get-go. The insanity of the typical full-time yoga teacher schedule and lifestyle is a big reason I started studying business skills. As an introvert who needs a lot of downtime, I could see how this pattern was becoming less and less sustainable the more quote-unquote successful I became. I figured there had to be a more sane way to share yoga. And at first I thought it meant making enough money to hire help which is not a terrible idea, but it's not the only way and not, in my opinion, the first place to look. In the first business training I took, I ended up learning so many skills about time management, organization, task management, task prioritization, accountability, and other productivity skills that it blew my mind wide open. Turns out there are so many other steps to take, to craft a schedule and a lifestyle that's functional and sustainable before you ever need to hire help or are ready to hire help. By the way, if you are thinking of hiring help, these strategies will support you to get more value from that relationship. And I have a podcast episode all about finding and hiring your first virtual support person. I'll link to that in the show notes. When I started coaching other yoga teachers, I learned that my own chaotic schedule that I used to have was actually pretty average. And many yoga teachers have schedules that are even more extreme than what I used to have. The dedication and stamina of these full-time yoga teachers blows my mind. A big part of why I'm here sharing this information today is that personally, I could not sustain that kind of schedule. And even if you can I want you to know that you don't have to. There are better, more functional ways to live than twisting yourself into knots to accommodate other people's desires, which a lot is a lot of what these schedules boil down to. And I fully believe that when you're able to put your own well-being first, you can do a better job of supporting the well-being of your students. All of the advice and strategies in this episode, the podcast in general, and my online courses are shared with the intention to support inquiry into thought patterns, reactions, habits, and behavior that reduce suffering in the world. So our personal well-being is most under our control, and so it needs to be a priority. It also has the end goal of well-being for all. Every person's circumstances are a little bit different. So in some ways, I'm limited in a format like this to strategies that I know apply to most of you. However, if we were to work together one-on-one or in a group setting where I give individual feedback, please know my advice might be different or more specific than what I can share in this podcast. All right, let's consider the typical day in the life of a full-time yoga teacher. Get up at 5 a.m., do the bare minimum to get over to teach your 6 a.m. class. Finish teaching at 7 and rush home to help get the kids ready for school or daycare. Then head across town to teach a 9 a.m. class. When you're finished with that class, hop on your computer to post on social media about your upcoming retreat and maybe get sucked into scrolling on social media because your brain's already kind of tired. Teach a private client after lunch, then try to squeeze in a little bit of admin time before your kids come home from school. Help the kids with their homework and feed them dinner, then rush off to teach an evening class. Home just in time to help with bedtime and after the kids are asleep, Work on prepping your workshop for next weekend until you fall into bed exhausted. Okay, I know that this might be a little bit extreme, but I also know it's not outside of the realm of reality for many of you listening to this. Let's be real anything close to this kind of schedule is not sustainable and not healthy. Humans need downtime, we need rest, we need space. Heck, we even need time to be bored. If your schedule looks even a little bit like this or is headed in this direction, let's talk about some steps you can take to get onto a more sustainable track. When I first work with a new coaching client, we often begin with a time audit, meaning I have them track everything they do throughout the day for about a week. This provides a ton of insight into how functional their current patterns are, and also really useful information about how we could make some changes to optimize their schedule. If you're interested in getting support and guidance on doing your own time audit, it's one of the things we cover in my upcoming course, Free to Flow. If you're listening as this is first released, you can get on the wait list at teachingyoga.net slash free Dash two dash flow. That's F R E E dash T O dash F L O W. Or if you're listening later, you can use the same link to see if registration is currently open. When we look at making changes, the first priority is to set aside at least one chunk of time in your week where you're not teaching and you're not teaching that day, and you have a decent sized chunk of time for what I call brain space. Ideally, this means you're also not parenting at the same time and working another job or like squeezing this in between a bunch of other stuff, but it's really set aside as some sacred special time. The idea is that you have mental space to do big picture thinking and planning every single week. The reason I want you to do this on a day you don't teach is I want you to come to this time fresh and focused. Teaching is pretty taxing on our frontal lobe. So if you teach before you do this brain space time, you won't have as much brain capacity left for big picture thinking. And if you're teaching afterwards, there's almost certainly going to be a part of your brain that's kind of thinking about and planning the upcoming class, and it will detract from your ability to focus on this special space and time. Now I know creating this kind of space for yourself isn't necessarily going to be immediately possible for all of you listening. So please don't let perfect be the enemy of better. How can you get as close to this kind of space as possible? As decisions come your way in the future, can you prioritize getting to one day per week with at least three to four hours of time when your brain's fresh? If it's not possible... Can you envision a future where it is possible and ask yourself, what would it take to get there? I recommend this ritual to anyone who's interested in living a deliberate and meaningful life. So while it's a great time to do business planning, it's also incredibly useful if you teach part-time, if you think of your teaching as service, or maybe you work entirely for other studios or businesses. So what does a day completely off with no teaching and a special time set aside for brain space look like, what does it do for you? This type of space and time gives you the ability to reflect. It gives you time to remember why you started teaching in the first place to stay connected to your bigger vision It gives you the space to evaluate how the different systems and structures in your life are and are not serving you. And it gives you time to create a flexible plan for your week that majorly improves your chances of accomplishing the things that are most important to you. Here are some of the things you might do during your brain space. Review the week before. Check in with progress on any goals you're working towards. Plan out the rest of your week. Envision new projects or offerings. For most of us, the beginning of our day is when our brains are most capable because they haven't had a chance to be exhausted by decision-making and unexpected stresses and distractions. And the beginning of the week is when time spent planning will be most useful. So unless you have a compelling reason to choose a different time, aim for Sunday morning or Monday morning for your brain space time. And best case scenario, that entire day is pretty open and flexible so that you don't have a lot of other people's obligations on your mind as you do this. When you think about organizing your time, think in blocks of two to four hours. So for your brain space time, you might only need two hours for planning. And after that would be a good time for something like continuing education or actually working on planning a workshop. The reason I want you to set aside a bigger chunk of time than you actually will use is I want you to give yourself the gift of spaciousness. Your brain space time is most useful when it feels unhurried, but you'll apply this idea of time blocking to more than just your brain space time. You want to apply the same concept to all the different tasks and responsibilities in your life. The reason we want to create time blocks is because grouping similar tasks together, we can literally get more done in less time. I know it's a popular saying that everyone gets the same 24 hours in their day, but it's also true that there are more and less efficient ways to use those hours. Every time you switch tasks, your brain needs to adapt to new circumstances, new parameters and new goals. One study by the University of California, Irvine found that switching tasks wastes on average about 25 minutes of your attention in the transition. So the more that you can group similar tasks together, you can get into the right mode for that type of work and accomplish a lot more than if you were to spread those tasks out into many different smaller chunks. Obviously there are some limits to this. And they vary from person to person. For most people, we can sustain about two to four hours of attention at a time before we need a break or to switch into a different mode. Personally, I'm the type of person who can go into a creative zone and just forget to eat, drink, sleep, rest, et cetera, and just keep going for like 10 or 12 hours at a time. I don't think that's the healthiest approach, and I actually don't have the freedom to indulge in that very often these days because I have a family. However, for creative work, I am at my best when I have the freedom to keep going as long as I feel inspired. So, when you organize your time into these two to four hour chunks of similar tasks, tasks that require you to be in a similar brain space, then you can move your chunks around depending on your needs and your circumstances. You might have four hours blocked off for your brain space, but then end up only using two hours. Then you get to decide. To either get a bit ahead or to just use that time for spaciousness to exist without needing to be productive. See, that's kind of the irony of productivity is it opens up space for you to not have to be productive all the dang time. If you think about your responsibilities, how much time do you actually need to spend each week on email, bookkeeping, planning your classes? teaching? How much time do you need to spend creating content for social media? If you don't have a clear idea of what you're spending your time on and how much time you ideally would be spending on each task, I recommend doing a time audit. If you want me to walk you through that process step-by-step, you'll be very welcome to join my upcoming course, Free to Flow. If you're listening to this in real time, I will be releasing a pre-sale to the course very soon. So make sure you're on the wait list at teachingyoga.net slash free dash to dash flow. That's F R E E dash T O F L O W. If you're listening later, you can use the same link to see if the course is currently available for registration. Once you have your major responsibilities and tasks and activities outlined, Notice how many blocks you actually need for each item and group similar tasks together. For example, if you teach about 12 hours per week between group classes and privates, then you want to find three to four blocks of time and group all of your classes and privates into those blocks of time. You may be thinking, okay, Mado, this sounds good, but I don't have that much control over my schedule. Depending on your circumstances, that might be true. You might have more or less agency over when you teach. And if you have less control now, that doesn't mean it's always going to be the case. So I want you to have this perspective. I want you to have this information to support you to make better decisions in the future when you have more options. However, let's say you do run some or all of your own classes, or maybe you have a relationship with a studio that gives you some freedom about when you can teach. Consider moving towards the goal of two to three classes and or private sessions in a row with just shorter breaks in between. This might look like class, private session, class, or private session, private session, class. Either way, you're grouping similar activities together, thereby reducing transition time and probably travel time too. If you're able to shift from teaching 12 separate times throughout the week to teaching three or four chunks of three or four hours, each holy smokes, your week is gonna miraculously start looking flexible and spacious. If you do well with order and ritual, you might even try to place those blocks of time at the exact same time of day. For example, eight to 12, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That might not be possible right away. None of this might be possible right away. But the key here is to have a vision, for what type of schedule will be most nourishing for you. And then get as close to that as possible now with the intention to keep moving in that direction over time. One fear that often comes up when I suggest this to yoga teachers is what if a client wants a private session, but it falls outside my time block for teaching. I can't afford to turn that down. I totally get this concern and I have been there. I want you to remember that Part of the point of doing this is that you're still in charge. You are in charge. If an opportunity comes up that's too good to turn down, you get to change or adapt your schedule in response. I don't want you to become a slave to any of these ideas in this episode. However, it might also be helpful to know that clients will often act as if their preferred time is just the only time that they could possibly do. But very often when you stick to your boundaries and say, I'm sorry, my only availability is Tuesday at 6 PM, they somehow find a way to make it work. Having time blocks like this in place will invite you to do a deeper evaluation of these kinds of opportunities instead of just saying yes to everything as your knee-jerk reaction. If a client asks you to do a private with them outside of your ordinary teaching time blocks, or maybe a studio offers you a class, then you get to check in with your gut about how you feel about this specific opportunity. Is there something about the client or something about the studio that just doesn't feel quite in alignment? If so, it's so freeing to have that boundary to turn to and to say, you know what? I don't actually think that this is the right opportunity for right now. When you say to yourself, I am willing to teach this person, or I am willing to teach at this studio as long as the times work with my schedule, but this is not a person or a studio that I'm going to bend myself into knots to accommodate, that is a really big leap in self-trust. It means that you trust yourself to walk through life in a way that invites other opportunities that are more in alignment with your vision and more in alignment with your needs. As you consider shifting your schedule around, you might also wonder, how can I create a schedule that's both really nourishing for me, but also attractive to my clients and potential clients? While there are definitely some exceptions based on where you live and who you teach, overall, the times that tends to be best for your students are early mornings, mid-mornings, evenings, and weekends. If you're mostly teaching retired people, they often like mid mornings. If you're teaching people who work, then it's going to be early mornings or evenings. And the most popular time of all are weekend mid mornings because it works for almost everyone. Okay. Let's return to this idea of time blocks beyond your teaching blocks. How do you best order or sequence these blocks? Generally, you want to place mentally demanding blocks before less mentally demanding blocks. For example creative work before responding to emails, teaching before bookkeeping, etc. So the way I like to organize things whenever possible is first creative, second learning, studying, or planning, and third tasks that need to be done, but don't need a lot of brain power like emails and bookkeeping. So when do you organize or plan out these blocks? This is a great thing to do during your brain space at the beginning of the week. In the real world, each week is different. So you wanna check in and adapt your systems regularly. It's nice to have sort of a regular rhythm of different blocks, and then in the beginning of the week, you look at what is actually happening and you can move those blocks around, which is much quicker and simpler than recreating your week from scratch every single time. As I describe these concepts, They seem a lot more regimented and structured than it feels in my life. I use the ideas in this episode as an ideal that I'm working towards, something to make decision-making easier, but not as a series of rules or something to succeed or fail at. The whole point is to make time management easier, not more complicated. So please do not try to do this system perfectly. Just take steps in this direction And notice how much more functional your life becomes. Then with your extra space and time, maybe you have the energy and motivation to implement some more. It's been really soothing in my own life to come back again and again to the Japanese concept of kaizen or tiny continuous improvements. If I'm always working to improve just a tiny little bit, Over time, I know I'm going to make really big leaps. So with that in mind, let's recap the strategies from this episode. One, try to have at least one morning or one day per week where you're not teaching and you have a significant chunk of time to focus on brain space and creative work. Two, consider different types of tasks that you need to do throughout the week and group them into chunks of two to four hours. And this includes teaching. Three, place those chunks in order to take advantage of your brain power when it's fresh, but stay flexible since applying any system perfectly is not going to happen in the real world. Okay. I hope these ideas were useful to you and I hope they help you to create a schedule that is supportive and nourishing for you to do your best work. As always, thank you for listening and thank you for caring enough to teach yoga.